In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the snap. To get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And a happy Thursday to you. T.C. Martin, ballpark Frank with you. Numbchuck on the other side of the glass. Oh, yes, a thunderous Thursday edition right here for you. And I want to remind you, uh, tomorrow we take a little break from sports, and we are going to be doing the T.C. Martin Songfest music show, two hours tomorrow, nonstop rock, funk, pop, never know what else you might get. And uh, yes, we will be doing some of our musical favorites, myself, Ballpark Frank, and Our guests, that's right, our regular guests chiming in, requesting their favorite songs, and they'll be appearing as well, too. So we're going to have about probably 12 or 13 DJs tomorrow during this time slot tomorrow, 2 to 4. And uh, and the reason why we're doing this, we kind of toyed with the idea a couple weeks ago that we said, hey, as much as we talk about music and we love music and we incorporate music into the show, that let's do an all-music show one day. And uh, tomorrow is that day that we get a chance to do it. Reached out to many of our guests and said, who wants to participate? And it uh, was wildfire. They said, I'm down. We're doing it. So you'll hear from a lot of our regulars, whether it's from the basketball world, baseball, uh, football. A lot of our regular guests will be participating tomorrow, giving their favorite songs, what it means to them. And uh, they get a chance to introduce those songs as well, too. So tomorrow, music day. So if you tune in at 2 o'clock and you're hearing some funky sounds or some classic rock sounds or any type of genre of music, Who knows? be prepared. You said it took off like wildfire. Wildfire could be one of the songs, although I hope it's not because <laughs> I think that's a really sappy, weak song. Wildfire. There's another one. Wasn't that a, about a horse or something? It was. Absolutely. Very nice. Another <laughs> 70s reference. And if you listen I prefer to, a horse with no name yeah, instead of wildfire. America. There you go. We can do this all day. <laughs> and if you listen to our interview with Steve Sachs, which is up on the website at tcmartinshow.com, uh, there are plenty of those uh, sappy 70s references that uh, we'll see if some of those songs make the cut tomorrow. Why do I hope they don't? <laughs> <laughs> None, now, none of them were on my list of things that I had to choose which which ones I was going to get in, and th- th- that wasn't part of the problem. Putting the DeFranco family or something like that in there is right. is one of the choices, right? And now I know that uh, you have really been—I don't want to say the word struggling. I'll let you speak for yourself here, but you've really been. Oh, he brought a list here today, ladies and gentlemen. He brought. <laughs> so here's the thing: we have a two-hour show, and if you do the math, the average song is. You know, probably four minutes long. You know, there's some shorties in there as well, too. But then again, you could have a, a couple long ones. So we'll try to get to the the original versions tomorrow. And again, the whole idea is to play songs that resonate with us and our guests as well, too. And so when I started doing the math, like how much time do we have for uh, actual songs during 2 to 4 tomorrow? 
and, and I'm, intros I'm, and stuff like that yeah, thrown in yeah. there from the people. So I'm, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know what the number is. Maybe you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen songs. But uh, I got a feeling we might not make that. And then Frank brings a list of sixty in here. Yes, and, I do have sixty songs in here. And, I had other ones too, but I was trying to break them down. And so I thought, well, to be fair to, I'm going to try to pick songs that aren't like seven or eight minutes long songs because yeah. a lot of those have more. Because I'm a big lyric guy. Yeah. I mean, lyrics mean a lot to me. So you know, some people like just a beat that they can sing along with, or this or that, or go out in the dance floor too and get your groove on in that. I I I am into lyrics because I used to write poetry and songs and things mm-hmm. like that. I can't write music, though, so the music was always in my head. But, but yeah, so, uh, so it was very, very difficult. This is one of the most difficult things I ever had to do, <laughs> cutting this down to three or four songs. And, and, and here's the problem, and I don't want you to get mad. This is what I was trying to tell you yesterday and last night, too. It's like, okay, I, I appreciate you putting the effort in. I mean, it's great because both of us are, are music guys, and literally we probably have, I'm being conservative, a hundred, 150 like go-to songs, and no thousands of songs. So to pick just a few is it's it's virtually impossible. So for me, I'm just going to go with okay, you know what uh, what fits the mood for a Friday afternoon with this show, our personalities, our guests, and that sort of thing. So I love ballads. I do love some mellow songs. But for the most part, we're going to try to keep it as much up-tempo as we can. And I'm very tempted to, to throw a couple little slower songs in there. Not, you know, not the ballads that you'd get on the dance floor with and you want to you know, bump and grind to. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, it's just some, some maybe some easier tempo songs. But then again, you know, there's so many different ways we could go. So I kind of feel bad because we kind of created a monster by inviting the guests, but I thought the guests really would add to it. People would love to hear what some of the favorite songs are from our our guests who are superstars in their world as former players, current players, broadcasters, and all that sort of thing. And we're going to hit you know from from a lot of different uh, people like we always do with the show, depending on the season. But uh, I got a feeling that you better take that list and either get out the the scissors or the shredder and cut it down to maybe that's an eight and a half and 11 and it's filled with two sides. I think you better cut it down to maybe an eighth by a quarter of an inch. Well, I, I've already got it narrowed down to because you said the no ballad yeah. thing. So some, a lot of those are out. Like I say, I had a lot of them that are longer songs than that. So I kind of limited yeah. some of those, you know, like a song like free bird, right. not going to make it or something like that. And I get it, and that makes sense. And then I actually tried to, I even tried to censor myself a little bit and take some, well, I don't want to play even like maybe a five or six minute song if I can get a good one that's three or four. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I've edited it down a little bit myself in that. So I was even telling Numbchuck today that one of the songs I have, there's different versions on the internet. and. Yeah. One is 30 seconds longer than the other one. So I said, go to this one here that's off the album cut. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to make this as concise and as professional as I can. But you also threw in that it has to be songs that have meaning to us. So each one of the songs that I picked does have, you know. But, I mean, there's so many other ones that I could have taken. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Like Freebird. We could play Freebird, but we're just going to fade it out probably after three and a half minutes. So if you've got a song that's 538 or whatever, I mean, we may... You know, you know, not play all the songs too because we've got to get to so many, and right, but, and, but and we'll probably be talking a little bit about the songs as well too. So, but, but as we, a listener, if I'm hearing Freebird and I hear somebody cut it out, I'm changing the channel, and I don't yeah. want people to do that on our show, right? You know, and then there's songs that I figure a lot of people probably don't know that I would have loved to throw in there, but you know, 
And and I didn't necessarily like. There's a song by the Jim Carroll band called "People Who Died." Phenomenal song. Yeah. Absolutely crushes it. But it will not be on my list tomorrow because I didn't think it did fit the mood in there. There you go. But it's a phenomenal. Yeah. If so, you're on YouTube, check out "People Who Died." Right. Great so, song. So I'm not going to tell you who it is with a guest because I, I want I want the guests uh, really to to shine to shine. It's their moment exactly. And that, I want that, that's them. why Johnny Carson right. was the best talk show host because he right. knew that they were the star. He didn't try to be the star right. and so get for, over them. So to, for tomorrow again, they're going to get their their one minute appearance. It won't be interview style or whatever. But I know they're going to want to get carried away because they they want to talk about what the song means to them. And again, I ask them the same thing. Like I, I put the parameters on you and I. It's like, okay, g- give me like kind of your go-to song that really, you know, gets you going, that has some uh, some personal meaning to you. And it, it's funny that one of our guests actually, I, I thought of you here, and I'll uh, go, go back to the text, and um, won't say who it is here, but um, said that uh, yeah, I've got uh, you know, I'm really really a ballad guy, but I don't think the ballads would 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 fit the mood, uh, you know, for your show. Uh, you know, we'll keep it entertaining. And he goes, I could have gone with "Death on Two Legs" by Queen. He goes, but that's too much raw hatred. And I said, well, there's Frank. <laughs> oh, that is a phenomenal song. It is right. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want songs that are just basically. F you, you are a piece of garbage song. <laughs> Positively forced by Bob Dylan. Death on two legs. Apocalyptica. I don't care. Anytime that a song lyric says, "If you live or if yeah. you die, I don't care. I don't care." That kind of tells you what he thinks about you, right there. Mm. So there are definitely songs like that. Another one that I didn't take because it's too long is a song like "November Rain." That song would take up take up a whole segment. Yeah, but it's a phenomenal song. Sure. Yeah. And again, it's not really the best of the best. It doesn't have to be your best. Because obviously, like with mine, it's not going to be my ultimate best. It's just going to be ones that I really like, have some meaning, fit what we're doing, have a fun time yesterday. And I appreciate you not going to the dark side. And our guests are doing the same thing, really not going to the dark side. So, Well, for the most part, yeah. I'm not. There might be one in there yeah. if I get multiple songs. Yeah. And by the way, one of the reasons that November Rain would resonate with me, because when I had the chance to interview... Um, slash years ago, mm-hmm. November Rain was still popular, and I asked him about that, and I said, well, you, when you guys recorded that, and that, you know, I mean, it's the number one video out right now, and he said, yeah, that was a really weird day, because I watched my best friend, because him and Axel were still very close back then, he said, yeah, shooting that video, I watched Axel get married like 26 times that day, or whatever, <laughs> from the takes and the retakes and that, and I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of cool, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. kind of weird at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's tomorrow, uh, 2 to 4. You'll, it's a music fest. It is the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest. We'll have uh, some great fun with that, uh, picking out some of our favorite songs, and our guests will be chiming in as well, too. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. And again, uh, giving everybody kind of a heads up, so if you tune in tomorrow and you hear some music, uh, you're on the right, the right show, so don't worry about that. And it'll, it'll be fun. Looking forward to it. I know you stayed up late last night and watched some TV, didn't you? Well, yeah, I was watching the baseball game between the uh, Dodgers and the Padres. It went into the softball rules. Yep. And uh, it's it's interesting because of all the extra innings that went, and I know when they got into the 14th, they said this is now the longest game since since they implemented uh, the softball rules of putting the runner on second base. I believe that, that started in 2020. And so they said it was already up to there. And But, you know, the thing that I was watching, especially with the Padres, because they kept on just walking the bases loaded to get to the pitcher spot again because the Padres has used all their bench players. They had no 
You know, no extra hitters. They couldn't put in a pinch hitter that wasn't a pitcher. So the Dodgers were like, fine, well, this guy got a hit. We'll walk two, and then we'll get the pitcher out here. So it was interesting from the managerial spot. But only one time did they start off an inning even trying to bunt a guy over to third base to start an inning, and that was the Padres, I believe, in the 12th. And they popped it up and went to third, so it didn't happen anyhow. There was a couple ground balls that sent a runner over to third, but they could never get around and score them in. And then finally in the 15th, when we saw the the Dodgers get two runs and you thought it was over, then Tatis hits a two-run homer and we're going to extras again anyhow. But uh, it, it was crazy, but the lack of execution. And you know how the stat that they always love to use, batting with runners in scoring position. Well, there was a runner in scoring position every inning <laughs> right. once they got into the extras. So, you know, they were all for this. The Dodgers actually did have a hit, but it was such a hard single that they held the runner at third earlier on, and I believe it was the 14th or 15th. So this was a very strange game, and it was unique uh, in many ways. First of all, this was a game that was one-to-one at the end of nine innings, and then we go to softball rules and put in the runner on second. Highly unusual in the sense where you had zeros across the board in every half inning. Nothing in the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. And you mentioned the two runs in the 15th by the Dodgers, two runs in the bottom of the 15th by the Padres. So here we go again. And then the A.J. Pollock homer, the two-run shot in the top of the 16th, giving the Dodgers a 5-3 win. You never see that many zeros in extra frames with these rules. Like you said, when the go-ahead run or the winning run is at second base. And you know who this was torture for? Think about this. Chris Basio. No, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was torture for the betters last night. Because this game was one-to-one. And you think you're stone-cold lock if you got the under. Final score, 5-3. Guess what the total in this was? Eight. So you think you got a winner, and you've got to sit through five hours and 49 minutes only to say, I pushed. Well, and, and I'm not sure who the favorite was, but if the Dodgers were the favorite. Dodgers because, were the favorite, So yeah. the two-run homer would have also put him over the run line. Correct, Amundo. You right. know, so that was right. interesting. And Snell pitched a great game, but he made the one mistake, and that was when he gave up the right. home run. That's why we went into the extras. Now, with the run line, as the visiting team, you, you're always still alive. You just think, I, I might as well tear up my ticket when I'm the home team and I'm giving up a run and a half. And it's very rare that the visiting team is usually a favorite, a heavy enough yeah. favorite, where they are laying the run and a half. So I know I've been through that situation where I'll be more inclined to play the run line on a visiting team because I want to have those guaranteed at least nine at-bats. And then if it does go extras, and I ran to that last week when the Royals, uh, rather the Astros beat the, the Royals. It was 3-3 at the end of nine. And then the Astros got three and six three, and they covered the run line. Not that I'm a big run line guy, but a lot of people right. are. So right. you're right that that covered that. Yeah, and, and if you take the home team in that situation and you have the run line, then you're counting on a multi-run home run because that's the only that, thing that you that's can the get. Only, exactly. Anything that's yeah. not out of the park, you're done. Doesn't get you to win. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so run line betters got home, but think about that. You bet the under in this game. You are feeling great about yourself. It's 1-1. We're going to the ninth. Somebody win it. 2-1, fine. Tie it up. 2-2. 3-2 two, two. is fine. Tie it up. 3-3. Three, 4-3 three. is fine, right? No problem. No. It gets it gets to 3-3, to three, three, and then the Dodgers hit the two-run homer in the 16th. 5-3. You end up pushing. In that game, like I mentioned, five hours, 
49 minutes. You mentioned longest uh, game of the year. If I am sitting through this game on a betting ticket and it's like a push or kissing your sister or whatever you want to say, I'm, I'm pretty upset. Going 1-1, I thought it was done. You know what that uh, makes me, uh, reminds me of is when we go to the college football and you bet under in college football and again... Just because you go to OT, it's not sudden death. It's like, okay, 7-7, seven, seven, okay, 7-7. Seven, seven. I'll go to third overtime. Now we got to go for two, right? 8-8 eight, eight, or 6-6. Six, six. It keeps going. We've seen these, these games that end up like, you know, in the 70s as far as like somebody wins, you know, 72 to 70, 140 points are scored, and you go and you bet the under of like 69 and a half. Too bad you lose. Well, yeah, and, and again, like, like imagine now I know it was a late game because it ended well after midnight. Because they were saying, oh, it's 3 a.m. on the East Coast. 12.59 a.m. Yeah. It's so, Pacific, yeah. But, but again, I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's late at night, so there's probably not a lot of this going on. But how was in-game wagering? When the Dodgers took that two-run lead, you had to think that they became a huge favorite. Now they ended up winning anyhow, so if you bet them at that point. But, I mean, the back and forth and the ebbs and flows of that, you know, every in- you know the, the Padres come up in one of the innings, and they, they get the guy over to third, and Tatis is up, and they're like, Okay, there was a man on third, one out. So, you know, the Padres are probably a decent favorite at that time. But Tatis, before he hit that home run, was 0 for 6 with four strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So he was not having a good night at all. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting game. It was a fun game to watch. It was very strange. But also the kid that lost the game for the Padres, he came in, he gave up the two runs, so he looked like he was going to lose it. Then Tatis hits the home run. When the Padres were up to bat in that inning, the pitcher spot came up, and they actually let him swing the bat right. to keep him in the game. Mm-hmm. He struck out. Then he goes back on the mound, and then he gives up a two-run homer. So in, in the two innings that he pitched, he gave up four runs. <laughs> you know, and uh, also, the, you, you had a, an intentional balk in this game, too, by Corey yes. Knable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was right before the Tatis home run because they wanted to just get back. At least they were speculating this in, in the announcer's booth that they wanted to get back to the normal sets of signs from the pitcher and the catcher because they were afraid of signs being stolen. He actually tried to balk before. He dropped the ball out of his hand, and the home plate said, no, it wasn't a balk because I called time. And he was like, so then he did the fake third to first thing. He's like, no, I want to balk him over there so he's not back there. So he actually balked twice in a row. Right. And when have you ever seen that? I can't recall an intentional balk. We know all about intentional walks. But intentional box, that's what happened. Corey Knable for the Dodgers in that game. Well, in the, in the booth, they were freaking out wondering what was going on. Because the second time he did it, they like, what's going on in it? it? It's almost like he intentionally balked. And he's like, no, it's not almost like he did intentionally balk. He's like, forget about him being on second. We just, you know, Tatis has struck out four times. He's not having a good game. Let's get him over to the third. You know, so many times you have, you know, on a Thursday, you've got the, it's usually getaway day for a lot of these teams. So you have the day game after a night game. Well, luckily for the Dodgers and the Padres, they do play again today, but they play uh, a night game. It, it is moved up a little bit earlier. The Padres and Dodgers both do this like 6-10 starts instead of like the traditional you know, you know, 7-10 or 7-15 start. So can you imagine if this was a day game today? What kind of lineup are you going to put out there? Your bullpen shot. You just got done playing 16 innings of intense baseball. It'll be interesting to see... Uh, what Jace Tingler and Dave Roberts, the lineups that they put out tonight. Because even though these guys didn't get to bed till probably 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, at least they are playing pretty much you know, a early evening game. But it's still 
you know, coming back after 16 innings is going to be brutal. And Max Shears is going to get the ball tonight and pitch. Uh, I know that, and you got the right guy. If Dave Roberts will let this guy go ahead and pitch, I mean, Max can, can carry. He can go nine. He can go ten if he wants. But that bullpen is shot for both teams. Well, and it's funny too that you mentioned Scherzer because they were mentioning during the game because they showed one of the Padre hitters who had hit a grand slam off Scherzer earlier this year, and he was up. Now, obviously, Scherzer wasn't his, and they go, "Yeah, we're looking down in the bullpen, down on the dugout net, and don't see Scherzer there." And the other guy was kind of like. Well, yeah, they probably sent him home already and said, look, you're oh, yeah. pitching tomorrow. You go, he wasn't there at 1 a.m. when this game ended. Correct. He was the one guy that got to go and go back to the hotel and just relax, grab a bite to eat or whatever, and get a good night's rest because, yeah, yeah, yeah we know you're not pitching in this game. Get the hell out of here and get some rest because you're on the mound tomorrow. But like you said, if you have to have one guy to go tomorrow, that's the guy you'd want. Game ends at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, five hours, 49 minutes, and 489 pitches later. 489 pitches in that 16-inning game last night. 5-3 the final. The Dodgers win in 16. Uh, crazy. 109 uh, at-bats between the two teams. Uh, the teams combined, you mentioned runners in scoring position, and we've seen this a lot this year. It just, it's, it's been poor. The batting averages are poor. I mean, if a team is, if their team average is, is 230 or 240, they're going, well, that's great. I mean, believe that. Believe me, that's what's 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 leading the leagues in in batting average. Uh, team batting average is ridiculous. Teams went combined seven for fifty-one with runners in scoring position. Unbelievable. Well, I know there was one point when they showed because obviously the runner starts on second base. Going into that inning, where both teams did score with the runner in scoring position, yeah. I think at that point. The Dodgers were one for nineteen, and the Padres were one for eighteen, or something like that, with the runners in scoring position. So they were, uh, so yeah, they obviously, you know, the, the two run homers by Tatis, and then the Dodgers, and that that actually, the, those last couple innings actually made those numbers higher because before that they were even more horrendous. I think the only two starting pitchers for tonight's game are the only guys that weren't weren't used in the game last night. Forty seven players. Involved in the game last well, night. Well, and like I say, with the Padres, they didn't even they didn't even have any bench players to pinch hit. So right. the relief pitchers had to go exactly. up to the plate and bat. Right. And almost every time they came up, the bases were loaded because the the Dodgers said, "Okay, that guy got it. Okay, pitchers coming up in two more spots, two two straight walks." Roberts would just go walk him. Walk no, give him the base. We don't care. And then these guys are up there like, "Okay, well I can win the game here, but I don't know how to swing." No. <laughs> Baseball is a phenomenal game. It really is for so many elements i mean the skill the art of it and then again from a managerial standpoint uh, the strategy again one to one you're going to to the ninth inning you're not thinking that this thing is going to go 16 innings and you're not thinking that uh, you know it's going to end up you know 5 to 3 in this situation but that's baseball I mean, 1-1, one, one, usually it's a pretty quick-paced game, and it's a National League game. As we know, National League games play a lot quicker than American League games, and then you end up playing nearly six hours. Crazy. Well, I know it was funny because when it just passed over to midnight, they said, okay, well, now we're uh, apparently we're playing a night-day single header or something. Right. They mentioned something yeah. like that, and they said, hey, by the way, if you're still joining us on the East Coast here on Padre Radio Network, uh, it's 3 a.m., so <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for staying up and watching it. Yeah. Crazy game uh, last night. And uh, we talk about the extra inning games and the softball thing, and we talked about it when we were on the air yesterday uh, when we had Steve Sachs on uh, that, the, that the Astros you know, got the victory over the Royals. Well, that was the first of six games yesterday. Think about it. Six games yesterday went extra innings. Six in one day. I can't ever recall that ever happening in one, get, in one day. Come on.
It's a lot. It's certainly a lot. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's ever been prop ups up of how many games are going to go into extras no. or whatever, but uh, if, if they had one up there yesterday, I, I'm assuming it hit the over. Yeah. <laughs> Six in one day. And again, in the, the, the baseball day started very early yesterday, Wednesday, and then it ends at basically 4 o'clock in the morning East Coast time. And, and one, one of those here on the West Coast, and one of those games that did go to extras was the second game of a doubleheader. So they thought they're going to oh, we're only going to play fourteen innings, and right. the second game went thirteen on its own. Well, that was the Cubs uh, Rockies game, which Steve Sachs mentioned. Uh, oh yeah, there'll be what uh, you know, fourteen people you know at that doubleheader. Yep. Actually, they list. I looked at the attendance because obviously after, when we talked about it yesterday, uh, they listed twenty six thousand at Wrigley Field yesterday for that game, which. Could be. It could be know. at Wrigley Field. It but, could be at Wrigley Field. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the way the Cubs are playing and the Rockies, and if you look at the highlights, you look at video, didn't look like that many people were there. But don't they but, also count season tickets, even if the people don't show up, that remember, they're still part see, of the, you know, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there, there's creativity with numbers a lot. Okay, but here's what the rule has always been. Through okay, the turnstile. National League turnstiles. American League sold tickets. That's what it always is. Maybe that's changed over the years because I haven't looked at it as closely in recent years, but that was always the big difference between the AL and the NL. NL was, was whoever comes through, through the turnstiles, that was your official attendance. So, so but, the attendance yeah. and the strike zone was the big difference back in those yeah. days. Of the- <laughs> now, looking at this game, like highlights from this game, I know you know later on in the 10th inning when it was 9-9. Nine to nine, I mean, there was no more than probably 300 people there. But... They put 26,000, so maybe at 7 o'clock, possibly. But no, I don't think so. But sounds, yeah, sounds a little high. Yeah. Sounds a little high. Yeah. But we've seen other organizations and other sports fabricate you know, attendance figures. We've seen that. We've seen that in college basketball quite a bit. Yeah, well, and, and you know, it, it's possible there were that many because, you know, in Chicago, most people haven't seen the Iowa Cubs before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only through a cornfield. <laughs> All right, uh, today on the show, we are going to visit with Scott Spritzer next hour as we talk some handicapping. We'll take a, a good look at week number three, which is the final week of the NFL preseason, and uh, look ahead to uh, the week one regular season. We'll talk about the quarterback battles, a lot of football on the show here today. And we come back, our good friend Trevor Maddich. That's right, the 15-time Emmy Award winner for his fantastic work with ESPN, the college football guru. Yeah, we're going to break it all down. we got opening college football weekend. We've got a handful of games. We'll preview that. We'll talk about the season with the maestro, as I like to call him, of college football, Trevor Maddich. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Oh, it is time to rise and shout. We have not heard this one in quite some time. And I know it puts a smile on the face of our guest because he's part of the national championship team, the last one they had there. What am I talking about, the last one? The only one they had. Anchored that line at BYU back in the day and then went on to have a 12-year pro career as well. And uh, he's the broadcaster extraordinaire as we all watch him on ESPN for college football. He is Trevor Maddich. My man, the pride of Sacramento, the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, and BYU. Go ahead, Trevor. Sing along. Oh, can I, can I hum? Yeah, you can do if it, man. I sing, 
If I sing, everybody will flock to the radio station hoping I'll come out and do a live show. Yeah. And that would block traffic, you know, so I don't want to do that. That would be better than the flock of seagulls, don't you think? No, flock of seagulls. That's going back to the day. There you- name two of their songs. Four points if you can name two flock of seagulls songs. Oh, oh, off the top of my head, too? Uh, I can't. I can't off the top of my head. And it's funny because I have promoted Flock of Seagulls uh, back in the day. Uh, really, not really my genre, Trevor, but uh, uh, I, I can't. I know Numchuck probably could. Did you ever have your hair like them? Uh, no, <laughs> I did not. Yeah. All the time. I think that was uh, I think that was the motivation for the movie some, Something About Mary. Yeah, there, there you go. Oh, Iran. There you go. Iran. DC. Iran. I remember, I remember Iran. Yeah, Space Age Love Song. Yeah, yeah. Wishing, wishing, wishing was another one. Wishing, right? You you promoted a flock of seagulls and Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Cool and the Gang, and others. You you're a long haired, tattooed, pierced (laughs) rock and roller. No, Trevor, I was always the 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 funky white boy, the old school R and beer. I mean, I was always the the R and B guy, but I like my classic rock as well too. Uh, I, I can cross over and go both ways. But again, as a concert promoter, you have to realize what sells, what's going to sell tickets. And I realized uh, when I started DJing at, uh, at a club in Sacramento uh, back in the day, uh, the owner wanted it, the, the new wave era was, was big. And so we were doing the, the R&B on one night, uh, the funk and you know, all that kind of stuff. And then he says, you know what? He goes, we got to get involved in this, this new wave thing, uh, punk rock, whatever you want to call it. And let, let's, let's do one night of this. And I said, that's really not my genre. I can't do it. But I threw myself into it. Next thing you know, I'm playing you know, Pet Shop Boys, Flock of Seagulls. Uh, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. And next thing you know, I'm I'm DJing to, uh, you know, some some funk stars one night, and the next night I got uh, kids with uh, green and blue hair, and so, I loved it. There so you, you were basically promoting the pretty and pink and that kind of stuff, right? But to say that it's not your genre, you just proved that because you threw in the 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 punk rock with all that kind of garbage. <laughs> Trust me, the Dead Kennedys and that sort of stuff was not like Flock of Seagulls. Okay, I understand. But again, <laughs> you played played. A, a little bit of that as well too. Yeah, you know, play some dead you know, candies, no, Believe you, it or not, yeah, you lost me at Pet Shop Boys. Oh, but classic. Yeah, at the same time, though, see, I saw the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Addison. It's actually one of my favorite movies. And the manager of the band Steel Dragon yes. in the movie. Yes. So now I'm picturing you like that guy. So everybody yeah. go see see Rockstar and look at that manager because that's T C Martin back in the day. Wow, that's strong. Yeah. I mean yeah. You, okay. yeah, no, talk about strong. You probably have like suitcases and trunks with, with stickers from all over the world. <laughs> Uh, I got a lot of po- got a lot of posters and leftover T-shirts uh, from those tours. Okay. Did, did you skateboard down story. to the venue? No, I didn't skateboard <laughs> at the venue. Tell us the story that you're most afraid might get out about your experiences as a, an R and B top of the line promoter. That one story that you're most embarrassed about. Go. Most oh man, you're catching me off guard here. What what would I be most embarrassed about? Uh... Oh, I don't know if there's an embarrassing story there, Trevor, off the top of my head. I, I really don't. I mean, I could tell you, I could fill you up with stories and stories about how, you know, promoting these artists, 
after, like, say, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, and they still thought it was 1984, and they wanted to be treated like that, I could tell you with writers that would blow you away where M&Ms had to be in their, uh, in their dish in their trailer, but all of the, like, the red ones and the blue ones had to be taken out. They could only go with green ones. I could tell you that a private jet had to, had to basically uh, land at a nearby airport the artist had to be helicoptered in. This artist did not want to be seen by anyone, the crowd, anyone backstage. So we had to pipe and drape where the helicopter left this person off into their trailer, the dressing room, because it was an outdoor venue. And then more pipe and drape leading to the stage so that person could only be seen at that point in time. I got stories where at Arco Arena, uh, there was a group that we were promoting. And uh, they did not get paid that night because the IRS... And the FBI came knocking on the door at the box office when it was time to pay them, and they did not get paid. And the manager of the of this group said, "How'd you know we were here?" And this guy just looked at him and said, "There's this thing called advertising." <laughs> TC, you did a great job of putting about twelve thousand people in this building. Thank you very much. So we can collect your money because you haven't paid the IRS in the last two years. Those are the kind of stories I can give you, Trevor Maddich. Paid that to yeah, me. I love those money, and I. <laughs> I love those stories from that era too, because back in the day, with got you know like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then yeah. going to some of the rock, right, yeah. going to Led Zeppelin, and going to you know all these all these folks. What you had back then was actual artists. You had groups that would sing largely their own songs or individuals. Some of them had writers too, and they had more talent and more passion than they had common sense, and they went out there and lived what they were trying to sing. And now it's so corporate. You still have singer-songwriters. You still have talent. But it seems like it's just a different thing. It's like, it's like football, man. When I first went to the Patriots back in the day, my rookie year, I went from BYU to the Patriots, and teammates were smoking cigarettes in the locker room at halftime. It was the wild, wild west. It was crazy. But then when the money got really big, everybody's getting their own nutritionists, personal trainers, managers, brand managers, everything else, and it's so tightly controlled. And I, I miss the days in music yeah. of the wild, crazy artists that just didn't care, and they wanted to live a lifetime in every minute. Oh, yeah. You and I can have, uh, we can have an hour, hours and hours long stories about, about those days, and you'll know a lot of the, the groups. And you mentioned Earth, Wind, and Fire, one of my favorite guys. And you talk about crossover. Uh, I, one show that I was a little bit leery about doing uh, was when they decided they wanted to go on tour with Chicago, and it came off. Fabulous, but it wasn't that traditional type of show where okay, Chicago will open and then comes Earth, Wind, and Fire, or you know the next night it would be you know reverse where Earth, Wind, and Fire would, would open for Chicago. They did a switch of songs where, and then they actually collaborated on a couple songs together, and it was it was crazy. It was basically four hours of Chicago and Earth, Wind, and Fire together, where you know they would come on and Chicago would do four or five songs, Earth, Wind, and Fire would do four or five songs with virtually basically no intermission, and then they would jam together. 
So it was kind of like uh, that show that they do on CMT now, Crossroads, where we would take an artist from one genre and another and they put it together. Yeah. They were ahead of their time yes. doing it live, yes. like one giant super group yes. on the stage at the end. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. and That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, and so here's the thing. They got both audiences, too, because Earth, Wind, Fire, even though they're pop, they're hardcore of, of the R&B uh, you know, audience as well, and Chicago gives you that rock and pop as well, too. And so it was it, the audience w- was a great mix. It was a great crossover. Probably one of the the best uh, crossover audiences I, I've I've ever seen, ever been involved with. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, no, that, that's listen. I wish they'd do that more. You know, and again, you get you get the the influence of uh, of the the people that are pulling strings at the corporate level. And I'm not saying that the corporate side is bad. The corporate side has made the money. Yeah, probably yeah. bigger than it's ever been. Yeah, and so all that is good. You know, it's just like the. All the personal trainers, personal nutritionists, personal brand managers that big-time athletes have now, they tighten everything up, but they also make things bigger than they've ever been. But at the same time, I wish that you would see more of those collaborations, and I wish there'd be more train wrecks during the collaborations. I don't mean like I wish they would fail, right? but when you have different styles up there and they start to learn each other, it's fascinating artistically to watch them all come together. In Nashville, where I live, it's so much fun just to go out to little dive bars in town on a Wednesday night, because you never know when you're going to see a band with a bunch of buddies. Some of them play on the road with Garth Brooks. Some of them play with Kenny Chesney, right? And they're just together. They're just, hey, let's go play out at such and such. But great. So they all get out there, and they go nuts. And it's so much fun to watch them come together. Listen, music done by artists in a way that makes it an art form rather than a, you know, rather than a super tightly choreographed thing. That art form part is great. That's what made the Grateful Dead so popular, not because they were the best writers or players or anything else. They weren't. They weren't even close. But, man, they just start going and doing stuff. And it was amazing to watch them go. Excellent stuff. And there we go. We, we're talking music. Sports and music, Trevor. They, they really do go hand in hand, don't they? And it, it's amazing where you see so many, so many athletes and coaches, they get more geeked up to meet some of their favorite artists of all time. And I've seen the same thing with the musical artists as well, too. Uh, they love their sports guys. And, uh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to kind of – you know, collaborate with, with, with both uh, together there. And I always appreciate people, and Frank's the exact same way too. We both love sports and music, and we kind of put them together. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing tomorrow's show. And as you know, I have invited you to participate in tomorrow's show, and I don't want you to give away what your song is tomorrow that you're going to play guest DJ for your one song, which is nearly impossible to do. But you are looking forward to this, aren't you, tomorrow? Not only am I looking forward to it, I'm looking forward to the audience getting to know all the people you're going to have on. I mean, put me aside. I mean, you you learn a lot about people by hearing about what music they love, what music, what songs have been important to them at different parts of their lives. And now we know that you, TC, a flock of seagulls, was a formative influence in your youth. And it's, it's wonderful. I'm sure I'm sure that uh, Space Age Love Song was your uh, wedding song, right? No, it, it was. When you danced it, with it, the it, lovely and gracious it, Gina. It, it was that song? A, no, it was always and forever by Heat Wave. Don't you forget that. There it is. Oh, well, you know what? Always, you know, you go with the classics. I like it. There you go. Did Flock you know of Seagulls hey, do a cover of that? Aside. No, no. There was no Flock of Seagulls <laughs> at, at my wedding. <laughs> go ahead. I, I, went, I went to a wedding where the couple, they were too young to be getting married and clearly also too young to be picking their own wedding song because the song they danced to at their wedding reception was Didn't We Almost Have It All by Whitney Houston. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's funny, Trevor. I used to, you know, I, when in my in my DJ days before I became a concert promoter, I would DJ a lot of weddings. I mean, you name the event, I would do it, and uh, and sometimes uh, I would do this. Uh, Guilty by association, I would play "What's Love Got to Do with It." If uh, I was a you know a little ornery that day, I would play that song at a wedding. That that's pretty ornery. Yeah. <laughs> or or a private dancer, you know that would be a bad one to play at a wedding too. The right, bride would come right, over and get you. Right. <laughs> so tomorrow's the music day, my friend. But I know we're going to have to 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 tighten it up tomorrow. We got a lot of people coming on, so uh, yeah, you can you can work on your delivery tomorrow to uh, introduce your song. And uh, I don't know if you want to, you know, today kind of just give maybe a song or two that didn't make your number one. If you want to tease our audience a little bit, but save your yeah. number one for tomorrow. It's up to you. Well, you know, music, it, it, it's, it connects when you're emotional the most, yeah. right? Right. So when you're happy, it connects. But when you're angry or when you feel betrayed, and there's a couple of those songs that came up first. <laughs> One of them was misled by Cool in the Gang. Yes. Love that song. One of my it's, favorites. That's one of the great grooves in, in R&B, right? And uh, great song. But then I thought, you know what? You know, I just don't want to, I don't want to go quite that negative. And, and then I thought, you know, the song I would really want to go negative, well, there's, there's, there's one of the most hateful songs I've ever heard, which is also one of my favorite songs. It is Beyond Hateful. But I think somebody is going to choose that song, and so I'm not going to say what it is. So tune in tomorrow to hear somebody else's important song that I believe is one of the most hateful songs on earth and also one of the greatest. Well, as we play a little Cool in the Gang, Misled, actually, I, that was one of Frank's songs, and we talked about that. And for that reason, we decided to scrap the song that you're talking about. Frank, you, you know what Trevor's talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. TC kind of doesn't want it going that negative. It's Death on Two Legs. If you want the ultimate song, it's by Queen off Night at the Opera, probably the most eclectic album ever with the different styles of song on there. But if you think positively 4th Street by Dylan is negative or some of the other stuff out there, Death on Two Legs, if you listen to that, that's basically... One of the lines in the song says, you're a sewer rat decaying in a cesspool of pride, and that's one of the less negative lines in the song. <laughs> that song is awesome. It's, it's a great song, but yeah. Right, right we're tabling that, that one. Check. Yeah. Right before that line, it says, Dark with disease, you're the king of the sleeves. <laughs> wow! Wow! Well, I just want to see so, Trevor. Yeah. I want to see Trevor Maddich go in and jam to misled here. That's what I want to see. Yeah, you're taking you back to Rio Americano right now with the strobe lights in the gym. But by, by the way, I was thinking too when you said that you would play the wedding songs if you were in a bad mood. Yeah. If you want to play a wedding song that really shows that you're in a bad mood, play Journey Separate Ways. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> that's another good one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, some of these weddings would take so long and it'd take forever for the bride and groom to get there. And I'm playing, I'm playing. They want to keep me there longer. Okay, here, Tina Turner, let's strike it up. Let's yeah. go. Me- meanwhile, you got the odds board behind you on the over under how long the wedding's going to last. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, did that. Too. By the way, if you want to hear a girl see a great wedding band i think it's hangover 2 yeah. uh, in the wedding at the end of that movie yes. is the greatest depiction of a wedding band i've ever seen i'll just leave it at that is that where mike tyson makes the appearance on stage well he makes he makes an appearance also but this wedding band is so deliciously inappropriate yeah. it is unbelievable like the father of the bride would literally, in real life, if a wedding band did this, walk up to the guy and twist his head off of his neck and punt it into the lake. You're talking about so much fun to watch. You're talking about the Dan Band. 
Is that what it is? The Dan Band. Yeah, that's that's the All name. Right. Of the, that's the name of the band. There you go. See, we educate here. Want another yeah, good see, wedding song fun. for negativity? How about Queensryche? I don't. I don't believe in love. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what happened to you, Numchuck? What What happened to you? That's I'm Frank. That's, I'm Frank. That's Frank. Oh, Frank. Frank. Okay, yeah, there Frank. What happened to you, Frank? <laughs> I, I I listen to a wide variety of music, <laughs> and this is what we get on a daily basis with Ballpark <laughs> well, Frank. This listen. is the negativity we get here, and and I, some of us like we like to up. sprinkle some joy once in a while. Right now, I'm driving up uh, I-81 because I'm going up to do some football work, actually. Uh, and uh, and I listened to two songs back-to-back, right? The first one was out of the song track of Rockstar, uh, We All Die Young by Steel Dragon. And if you heard that, there's some. that's a serious song. And then after that, I listened to There's a Kind of Hush by The Carpenters. Oh, the, look at that. What a segue What's that wrong is. with me? There it is. There it is. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, Steve uh, Sachs was on here yesterday talking about the DeFranco family. Uh, he, he was loving the DeFranco family. There you go. And Nicolette Larson. Yeah. DeFranco, is that, like, is that like the barge or like Elder Barge? Yeah, very close. Very close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite as, as hip as DeBarge. I will say that there. By there. the way, the, there's a kind of hush. Uh, Herman's Hermits also did a version of that song. So Yeah, uh, they wrote it. I think yeah. Peter Noon wrote it. Yeah. And by it was, the way, it was on their greatest hits album. Writers- Songwriters today should go back to Peter Noon and Hermits Hermits to learn melody. There's a kind of hush. Right. Um, the S- silhouettes, Henry the Eighth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, not yeah a- I mean, the, the melodies in those songs are just extraordinary, and, they, and the melodies hold up. Hush, not to be confused with Tush by ZZ Top, of course. And, and by the way, if you ever want to see a cheesy movie, check out uh, Herman's Hermits and Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter. Because Mrs. Brown in the movie is a Greyhound racing dog. <laughs> You're kidding me. That's fantastic. No, it, it's not. It, it's a racing dog that Peter Moon, who plays uh, the part in the movie, he won in some kind of contest or something. But she won't run well, and they're trying to figure out how to get her to run again on the track. But it's a very, very cheesy movie. They thought it was going to be their hard day's night. It didn't happen. Not, not have not have you seen the movie? There are so many ways that could be so terribly wrong. You know, we started this conversation yesterday with music. It basically took up the entire show with our interview with Steve Sachs. Again, it happened with Trevor Madge today. We, there's no sports. I mean, this has been like a th- it's like it's turned into a, a three day uh, you know song fest here, and and we're promoting what's happening tomorrow with all the music. It's like the TC Martin show version of Woodstock. It's a multi-day festival. You got to love it. Absolutely. <laughs> let, let, let me connect music with sports then real quick. All right. Uh, just so we can say we did. All right. Uh, so many great traditions of college football teams entering the stadium. The one people think of most often I think is Clemson uh, touching Howard's Rock and coming down that hill. Right? It is one of the yep. great moments in college football when they do that. But another one is Virginia Tech. When they play Inner Sandman by Metallica, and the crowd, it builds, the excitement builds, the crowd is jumping up and down, the whole stadium is about to burst, and then out comes Virginia Tech's football players, and that moment, sitting here in a parking lot on the side of I-81, the the hair in the back of my neck is up, because, you know, they have taken music and perfectly married it to the culture of their football program. And I can't wait for them to open this season against North Carolina. That's going to be one of the sneaky, awesome games of of the early season. Yes, seen it many times there, Trevor Madge, uh, never in person. Always wanted to go check that out. But, yeah, we see it on on TV quite a bit. Yeah, that is uh, one of the great entrances. 
Yeah, fantastic stuff, man. All right. Trevor Maddich, ESPN. I, I need to know, did you make your college football tour this year? I mean, Trevor travels all over the place on his own dime in the spring. He gets to do all this. Couldn't obviously do it last year. What about this year? Were you shut down or did yeah. you get to hit some spots? No, the last two years I couldn't go visit yeah. as many colleges as I wanted to. You know, I just stopped by some places and had ultra distance. But for the most part, no, um, because of COVID. And so, you know, what I'll do is I'll drive on my own my own time, my own expense, my own car. I'm buying the gas. I'm paying the hotels. I'll do ten or 12,000 miles visiting schools literally from coast to coast and, and north to south just to get an idea of what's going on to be ready for the season. And uh, for then they figured that out, and they sent camera crews out to uh, double back with me to four or five schools. And we did little mini features um, that turned into kind of a big deal to preview the season. Last year we did nothing. This year we still wanted to do it, so it was virtual. I called folks on the phone, and then we set up this amazing virtual environment that I was in, and I interviewed people, you know, remotely, and I, I, it just has been finished. In other words, all the editing has been finished as of today, and they just sent me the uh, the link to it, and I haven't seen it yet. So watch Sports Center for these. There, there's four schools that we did, and we'll show it individually and as a half hour feature. And uh, so we're still there, and it will be tremendous fun. So keep an eye on Sports Center for this year's virtual tour it's it's it sounds like it's, it's really good i have to see it though yeah and i believe sunday uh, when we are going to get a chance actually to see it. i think espn is actually uh, debuting this on sunday oh wow okay yeah, yeah. i didn't know that yeah so sunday i need to go off into the woods and hide just in case uh, it's not as good as i think actually I'm i sure had uh, one of the producers yeah. like the tip-top producers that's above the level of actually producing it he supervises the people who produce it kind of a thing and he he sent me a text with some praise about how it turned out in terms that he doesn't ordinarily use. And so I'm like, okay, this thing might end up being pretty good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. But the point is it is so exciting to, to get an idea of these schools. So, so we did Oregon, uh, Clemson, Georgia, and somebody else. Um, uh, Cincinnati. Oh, really? By the way, Cincinnati Bearcats got in is, there. Okay, is more than just a dark horse to make the playoff. They have a clear spot. I mean, yeah. Cincinnati, the team they have coming back, can compete with pretty much anybody, and they're going to go up and play at Indiana, and then they have a bye week, and then they play at Notre Dame, and if they're able to to win both of those games, Cincinnati might be the first Group of Five team to bust their way into the fourteen playoff. They're that good. All right, looking forward. And since they had a great season uh, last year as well. All right, he is Trevor Maddich. You watch for him on ESPN. All that stuff is around the corner. Does a fantastic job on the college football side as well, the NFL side uh, as well too. But, uh, Trevor, you know what this means. Since we didn't get a chance to, to get any football, we have to have you back next week so we could start talking, uh, do a little bit more of a full season preview, some things I want to hit on. And then, of course, tomorrow – Trevor Maddich will be part of the extravaganza as the T.C. Martin Show Song Fest tomorrow, giving us his go-to song tomorrow and uh, start practicing uh, your, your, your DJ voice tomorrow in, in, in your song intro. Hey, all you groovy guys and gals, come on in tomorrow. Tune in. We'll be playing some of the greatest hits of our lifetimes. Okay, that's not very good. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I should get off a of radio and stick to print. <laughs> whatever, whatever. You know, you're good in front of the camera, my friend. You're great. You know? <laughs> so you, know? you agree. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know 
My man, Trevor Maddich, no well, doubt. We just want to know real right, quick, thanks, are man. you coming out here for the BYU-Arizona game? That's right. We got that next Saturday night. Come on, man. I know. How awesome is that going to be? Yeah. The, uh, you, nope, I'm not going to be able to make it because I'll uh, be working somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, I would definitely come up and say hi. But but BYU could be a sneaky good team, too, this year. We'll see. Arizona, uh, Arizona's got some excitement there. We'll see how close they are to... Uh, you know, putting it together, but yeah, no, it'll be. They named a quarterback BYU, did Jaron Hall. So uh, I won't be there though. So you guys will have to have all the fun for me, and I know it's going to happen. Frank, you just stay in TC's back pocket, and you will be backstage in the VIP room with all the biggest acts in Las Vegas anytime you want, because that's how TC rolls. <laughs> I think we just want to go down and see the BYU mascot next Saturday night. There you go. Maybe get on the field, uh, you know, with, with your mascot there. Yeah, that's Cosmo the Cougar, who is the greatest dancing cougar. Listen, Kirk Herbstreit and those guys on game day were so blown away with how that guy dances in that suit. And uh, when you see it, you'll see why. All right, my friend. Yeah, we're used to seeing BYU uh, here in Vegas, you know. Obviously, former Mountain West. uh, We see them at the Las Vegas Bowl all the time. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing them against Arizona. Uh, BYU, a a double-digit favorite in that game next week, Trevor, too. So, yeah, I'll be sending you pictures. I'll be sending you food pictures as uh, well as some BYU uh, sideline stuff, too. There you go. Did you say food pictures? Well, of course. That's how I roll, you know. Yes. Okay, so so when we're off the air, I want you to tell me which is your favorite buffet in Las Vegas. Uh, well, they're all closed down yeah. right now, so it doesn't yeah, matter. <laughs> it's easy for me. It's my home It's my home turf. It's the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It's the Wicked Spoon. And that one is actually open. It's open. It's the best. The Wicked Spoon. You're coming to Vegas. I'm taking you to the Wicked Spoon, Trevor Maddich. Done deal. Done. And I will wear my flock of seagulls. <laughs> T-shirt. You do that, I'll have, and I'll have my Parliament Funkadelic sweatshirt on. How's that? I want to TC. Oh, flashlight, baby! Yeah, I want to see TC wear the flock of seagulls um, wig. Yeah, <laughs> our Napoleon Dynamite. Trevor, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. There he is, Trevor Maddich, ESPN, a uh, great friend, and uh, he, you know, he loves his music. He's chiming in to, tomorrow with so many other guests. Uh, as well tomorrow with the T.C. Martin Show. Songfest, we come back. Scott Spritzer will join us, and we are talking NFL and college football.